We decided that we're going to speak first, and so we're going to tell you what we've been working on. I'm starting down the line up. I am translating the White Witch of Tenerife to Portuguese, and I've been uploading Ingrid's videos on YouTube. Yes, the anti-videos in all three languages. Yes. <laughs> and that's about it. And it's a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello, Helena. Bye. Mm. I, Hi. I say that because I recommended Helena into this space. And now here she is. <laughs> I feel glad. I, I'm working on going through the translated No Reason book to find my own little mistakes and correct them so that it is alive and readable for you and for everyone in German. It's then in German. Yeah, that's what I've been doing today. Thank you. Thank you. Today, I did one of the experiments from last week, which was to find a net of women. And so today, by miracle, I had a women's team and nobody else came but my women's team. <laughs> and so we had a Balinese women's team <laughs> under the rain. <laughs> was this question of, I mean, I framed it a little different this morning. But it's how can women, when women come together, have a party? <laughs> Instead of having problems, you know, or having complaining or. And so we were trying to have this conversation of like, what, how, how are we doing being party makers? And we found that in a way we are some, some ways unskilled of having an arc in parties to have arc in parties. And I also did, I, then I joined the possibilitator training, uh, New Zealand, Aotearoa, and we had a more of a party, party making training and that, that will be online soon. So you can check out how do you train yourself as a party maker, party maker, but it's rec recommended, especially amongst women. Like, how do you bring that juiciness? How do you shake up the juice and meet each other in the in the in our everythingness that I mean part of part of what came up in the fear that I had was I I'm I have a tendency to not really share my life extensively because I've experienced that then people think they know who I am and, I, and then I have to defend myself And I discovered this morning that I value more my freedom of becoming than my connections. I'd rather have freedom of becoming than thinking that people love me or something. And a lot of people having the other way around. They'd rather have connection and, and, not, and not the freedom of becoming. And for me, the question is, how do I get both? How do I get this and that? And... and 
And a party is a good place to start. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I, I spent most of my day since early this morning doing a, some kind of drudgery of making sense out of new websites for the game that and changing websites around that were to make them consistent with themselves. And so I've been trying to upgrade consistency. And but the highlight of my day just happened about 20 minutes ago when I was invited to read by Anne Chloe part of her introduction to the Archaeological Women's Book. And I was inspired and um, fed. And it was only about four paragraphs, but it was just so startling, fresh and powerful and clear and in my face and breaking out new territory into the rest of the book. I said, I'm buying this book, right? I, if I opened it in a bookstore, I would just buy the book. So I'm really happy about having had that invited to have that experience. It's kind of a really intimate thing for a writer to give you an unfinished book and let you read a little bit of it. So I hope there's more of that. I challenged mm -hmm. her to, yeah. we could have a group here yeah. and we could just start reading each other's stuff that we wrote and be fed by it. So the writing house is happening. Mm -hmm. I feel really glad. Hmm. Thank you for sharing all that. Thank you. Thank you. Is there... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I, I would like to hear from anybody out there who wants to share something. I'll share. <clears throat> hey, Mark. Since two weeks ago, I've been having experiences of what changed in my world and my world transformed. I've came up with a description of a compass where there's no magnetic field. And so it just spins around. And I've found myself going in every direction possible. And Anne-Chloe described how the world has a space and how she created a space that creates a magnet, a magnetic field. Um, and I remembered the questions that some individuals two weeks ago were asking, like, how's this going to work and what's going to happen? Things that came to me was like, if you build it, they will come. So if the women create a village, it will be a magnetic force that we can angle on as we leave patriarchy. We'll have somewhere to go. Currently, we have nowhere to go. And we're lost with how to create it. And I was overjoyed to hear that you know how to create it and can create it and did create it. It was like, if I was a, physical sci a, a physics scientist, it would be like a fusion reaction being sustained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. It's still sort of the sort of the pet project for all of those guys trying to create that. Um, so we get to space. So then I had new distinctions coming up. And I noticed that some guys were studying White Widow. And I'm like, 
It didn't fit. We don't practice white widow. As a man, I don't practice white widow. If I'm manipulating women, so I came up with something, and the first one that came up this morning was a white cat, and then and a gray cat and black cat. And then later today, I found out it's CAD, C-A-D. I think in the 20s, they used to call pranksters and stuff CADs. Yeah. So if I'm manipulating women, I'm a white CAD. That's what I'm practicing. And I want to know, like, how do I push the buttons so that I get sex, right? Or how do I push the buttons so that she'll do what I want and give me attention and all this kind of stuff? And it's all white CAD and gray CAD and black CAD are the rapist murderers of the world. And, you know, they trick women into getting into their van and we never see them again. It's awful. But that's what we have to study. And there's initiatory, there's an initiatory process that is the inverse of the carrot practice. And I'd love to document that and share it with you so that you can assess it yourself. Because that's the tools we'll need when the guys show up to be like, okay, this is what you got to do in order to initiate yourself out of patriarchy into archiarchy. Because we'll need those tools. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your research. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing. Mark, I'm... Mm-hmm. Sorry, Michael. Yeah, I just want to say, Mark, I'm interested in a conversation with you. I'll approach you about what you just shared. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Is the is the magic cow bound in snow? Not yet. Really? I thought you had a meter of snow there by now. <laughs> I wish. <clears throat> Somebody else want to share something? It, we're, I'm glad there's not snow here yet because there's still time to build a training space outside for Devin's practice practice ETB. Yay. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool. Couple weeks, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I have something to share and I'm I'm still so liquid with it that I, I feel a lot of fear to I don't know to speak. Just I, because I, I feel liquid. You have no idea how much fear we have just to listen to you. No idea. So come on. We're more afraid than you are. Okay. So Marcus, Oliver, me, and with assistance of um, Sabine Lange, held space for 33 people for Rage Club introduction in Freiburg on Friday. And then 27 people stayed for the whole weekend. And it, I can, there was this moment when we did like 10 people, 333 at the same time, you know, with coaches. And, and they started and it was like this, it just blew me backwards. It was just so much energy. I was fingering around with my stopwatch. Just, oh God. It's just so much energy. 
and um and five people gave us testimonials on video and one woman said i have been doing therapy for seven years sitting on a chair trying to get over sexual abuse mm -hmm. and this is what i needed and it was just complete incomplete emotions because i just needed to be angry and sad and that was it and now i'm free wow yeah mm -hmm. And I'm sad because I, I notice every time when I hold space for age group, my gremlin tells me these stories that I don't actually want to do this. And what do I have to do with these people? And I don't know what we're doing here and all that crap. And I, I'm so, yeah, I'm just fed by, by the legends of, of people and, and, and also to see that so many people want this work. Really, they, they're so ready. Yeah, that's... that's a celebration. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Freiburg. And I have something else that's making me liquid, and that is I, I started the first part of a documentary called The Goddess yesterday, and it paints a different picture of matriarchy. And that is a picture where matriarchy was not women having the power, but it was egalitarian and peaceful and without, without weapons because they didn't need them. And that the males were part of that. Like there were these, there were men who knew how that goes. And, and that is new for me to, to think that when we're trying to build archiarchy, there were times, I think, I think there were times where we already knew how that went. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? We have this tradition when you mm. first come into the study group, it's your first session. We ask you to say a few words, like where are you calling from? How did you find us? What's what's up with you that you would want to be here? So we have a couple of new faces. It's like Fight Club, you know. If you go to Fight Club the first time, you have to fight. <laughs> We're listening. Jump in. Go. Hi, I'm I'm Helena, originally from Estonia. Uh, this summer I was. How I ended up here is that the summer I was in uh, Gen Gathering in Germany, where I met Eva and Sophia, and I participated in this amazing possibility management uh, workshop, and uh, it touched me. And I got really inspired, and I want to bring this work closer to Estonia. And yeah, here I am. Welcome, Helena. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Virela. Hello, my name is Mirella. I'm from Italy. Ah. I was invited by Marina, my friend and have um, participated already at some um, 
um, workshops of uh, possibility management and I'm really inspired and I really want to uh, get closer to you and I'm like exploring. I feel really it's time to uh, to awake uh, the rage of the women to like to, to bring up and to use this uh, uh, this emotion in a very conscious way because uh, me, myself, I'm going through my rage and uh, I can see the power and the, everything. Actually, yesterday, uh, uh, it was the first time in my life that I, I could uh, embrace and uh, welcome my rage, like uh, honor my rage. Because really my rage was... Uh, was uh, the tool that allowed me to to go out this lavery, and I think this is uh, such a, a necessary step to go through. And I see how many Italian women are still stuck in their mm. judgment. Mm. So I really feel this impulse, and I was. Uh, yeah, I was speaking with Marina today and she invited me. So I just uh, take what the, what the universe wants to give me and uh, I follow. I follow this energy. So thank you for, for receiving me in this uh, meeting. Thank, thank you for you. coming here. Thank you. Thank you for accepting thank the invitation. Well, then Marina has to say something. Mm-hmm. Okay, Marina, come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel joy seeing Mirella here. It's um, I see that this this kind of I was talking to Mirella that the during the Rage Club here in in Italy, I discovered that how is to be the space holder because at at the the middle of the space the Rage Club. I saw four, like five women holding space with me. So they were they giving feedbacks. They were giving, like, I, I, I wasn't doing so much. I just was <laughs> like holding space. Like, <laughs> and so this is like also something about, um, how to use the rage of using to, to have clarity about what is, what I have, what I want to do, what I will do with my own energy. So to be in a group, to be in a team. And yeah, and so seeing Mirella here is also like a sign that it's, uh, it's, I just, I just want to have like so many people in my team. Like I want to have teams. Yeah. Because the team is so powerful. Yes. Thank you. It's great. Sounds like a bridge house in Italy is starting to seed sprout thank yeah. you anybody else to explain where we are right now we a couple of weeks ago we started reading together an article that emerged from the Women of Earth Lab. Is that right? No, that was from after the trainings in Poland. The trainings in Poland. We had so much 
so much clarity was coming. And so we just sat down and wrote, and Chloe and I just put it together and wrote this article called Beyond Repair. So we've, we have a couple weeks. The first week, we didn't even read the article. And the second week, we, last week, we started to read the article. So we're, we're in this, an orientation towards the conditions that we're in here at the beginning of the 21st century. And the, the way modern culture is and the way the world is and what's going on with people all over the world and ourselves and the people we know. And it looks like this gigantic problem fix, this thing to, to fix. And it, it's kind of so overwhelming if we approach it as a problem conversation that it became obvious that it's beyond repair. Like This is a thing that it is not about trying to fix it, trying to make it back in some way that worked before, because it really never worked before. It didn't really work. And so we're using the situation as it is, as a trampoline in a way, getting bounced around this way and that way, thrown up in the air, thrown sideways, crashing into each other, and using that as a way to you know, break off the rough parts and try something new, like try new moves together. So that's the orientation of the what the article is, is to, to not try to fix it as if it is a problem, but to try to in, like allow ourselves to be absorbed or integrated into more agency, more personal agency. Like, okay, how, what do I actually do in this circumstance? Like, how do I face this? How, what's... What is really up for me for my moment to moment life when I see, you know, such strong evidence that is chaotic or not working or problematical? Like, how, how do I get off the trying? It's broken conversation and move into I'm being evolved conversation or we are being evolved together here conversation. And so we started it. We started reading into it. I don't even, I can't even tell what page we're on, but I think it's a medium article. So there's no pages really. <laughs> so I'm just going to start reading. And it uses some distinctions from possibility management. I see in the first sentence of the first paragraph, it talks about gremlin. And so if anybody is not familiar with any of the um, terms that we're using, just you know, say, what does that mean? Or just ask, just talk about it. So this is, we're diving in this together. And the first sentence is we're already in the middle of a conversation with the gremlin. It's about somehow taking responsibility. So I'm going to go back one paragraph and it says, your box undermines your courage. And so in our lexicon, the, the word box means your psychological defense strategy, your personality, your your marshmallow zone, your survival strategy, your your ego. Like all of those, this is all smashed together into one thing that we, we just call the box. And the box will undermine your courage because that's its purpose. 
The box's purpose with the gremlin as the active agent of your box is to try to keep things the same. And because that is how you know how to survive, is if boxes stay the same. And so the box will, will go to all extremes. Really, it'll make you sick. It'll make you hate people that you actually love. It will make you all of a sudden have a panic attack when you're hardly doing anything. It will just take you into, you know, throw you into a headache. It'll do all kinds of things just to try to keep you the same. And we all know this, you guys, we all know this from our lives, that when things get interesting, the box is freaking out. And what's one of the distinctions, the experiential distinctions that we work with in Expand the Box Training in daily, in our daily life, is to distinguish between the box and our being, like our box and who, what we really are. And the ability, gain, to gain the ability to make this gap between the box and us so that the box can have freedom of movement and so can we. You get this? So I don't know if you can see this, but the box can be just freaking out and we don't have to freak out. So I'm sure you've had the experience of your box freaking out and you're not, you're not identified with your box and you go, gosh, look at that thing. It's doing backflips and somersaults and screaming and pooping and barfing and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm okay. It's like, it's the end of the world as I know it. And I feel fine. Anybody ever have that experience? Did you ever have that thing? So this is a breakthrough moment. This is a breakthrough moment. And it's good to remember it kind of all the time. That your box can really be trying every single strategy that it knows how to to undermine your courage, your presence, your connection, your voice, you know, to under your clarity, to undermine all this stuff just so things try to stay the same and it's freaking out and you're just kind of chuckling about it. You just kind of laugh, you know, in a way, respectfully laughing at it going, I used to think that was me. I think I used to think this was a life or death situation when my box is freaking out. And, you know, I didn't die yet. And my box has freaked out a lot. And so I'm just going to let my box freak out and I'm going to keep having this conversation. I'm going to keep trying this new thing. I'm going to just go ahead. So, your box is going to try to undermine your courage and it gives you a lot of um, like an ace up your sleeve to know that your box is going to try this kind of all the time. That's what the box does. And it's a machine. It's just a machine. It does this thing. Your box says, if I cannot catch my gremlin or be adult at all times, who am I to demand that the man across from me, this is a woman speaking, that the how am I to demand that the man grows up? I'm being unfair. I have no right to be so challenging, you know, against this patriarchal man. Only if I am perfect can I make such a demand. So I must go work on being perfect myself. Anybody ever have that line of thinking before? Kind of the logic and the reasoning. So, okay, so that's, that's what we're trying to do is get where we are, like get where, what, what this thing is that's inside. And it's happening with such force that until we bring it to the consciousness, like we're trying to do right now, and put it on the table, we call it putting the poop on the table, putting the weapons on the table, 
you know, putting the psychological mechanisms on the table and look at them and name them and go, oh, yeah, that one. That's what helps us get this this little gap. And the gap doesn't have to be giant. You don't have to have this giant gap. The gap can be as thin as a piece of paper and it gives you freedom of movement. So it's really great to know that, that once you can distinguish, okay, name it. Okay, that's my box trying to freak out, trying to keep the same, trying to undermine my courage. And then trying to, trying to tell me that I must be perfect before I can hold a space of archiarchal relating and, and say that this is where the bar is. You know, and if you're going to relate to me, that's where the bar is. Otherwise, this conversation is over. Before I say something like that, I have to be perfect, you know, and that's the box speaking, you know, and it doesn't have to be perfect. I want to add an example of trying to have to prove that you've done all the moves correctly to be able to demand that there is, you know, to justify your stand. Say, I did this, I asked these questions, I was open then, and you and you are reminded of these examples of being like all this, you know, in a way it's like all the sacrifice that you've made or all the right moves that you've made and the moment you 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 catch yourself having that just like justifying yourself, you can immediately put it in the box. It's the box department. It's the box department trying to give you a kind of certainty that if there is any attack, you can attack back. Mm-hmm. Get you like you you're weaponing yourself. You're gathering ammunition. Okay, you're already gathering ammunition for a gremlin war. And you just notice your gremlin preparing for war. I mean, that's that's playing the game. Like that's patriarchy. That's preparing for the gremlin feeding frenzy. Instead of a whole other stand of like a whole other universe of I I make that demand. Like I play that game and I don't have to justify myself. I don't have to have met you halfway. I don't have to have done it the way you would understand or the way that it would make sense to you that I can, so that I can justify myself. But it's, it's so ingrained in the cells, you know, of women, but also really of people in the patriarchy of, of justifying, justifying oneself to our action. If they're any kind of weird, if they don't fit with the program. So it's a scary, I mean, what, what it says, it's the invitation is to be unreasonable, like to, is to mm-hmm. be something that cannot be reasoned with. Cause if you, if somebody can reason with you, you've lost. Yeah. You have already lost because you entered the game of reasons. And in that game, you know, in terms of this conversation with, between a man and a woman is the man is right. That's the bottom line. So whatever reasons you would have come up with, you've already lost. Because at the end of the conversation, that's the rule of law. It's so the invitation is don't even go there. Don't even go there. You've already lost. 
mean, and that's the rational mind feeling the lack of getting to argue. Mm-hmm. We we really are have become experts at arguing. I don't know if, if you have kids or have been around kids much, but I've been around kids who are three, four, five years old, and they can out-argue the parents. They can run circles around the parents with reasons and logic and examples <laughs> and why they should be allowed or why they should why they're right and why, you know. So so we've we packed away these skills a long time ago. We became masters at reasoning. So, so the mind goes, starts going hungry. Like, who do, who am I going to argue with? Well, then also your gremlin starts being afraid that it's going to get hungry. If you start doing, so the gremlin starts complaining to you inside of yourself, maybe also outside, but it, it says, if I'm radically responsible, and if I, if I take this step into the domain of radical responsibility, where there's no stories and there's no excuses and there's no reasons. If I, if I go there and if I start doing radical relating, what, what, do, who do I get to do low drama with? This is a gremlin going, you know, if I, I have to have, it's like steak and potatoes for your gremlin, you know, French fries and McDonald's hamburgers. This is, you know, who do I get to do low drama with? Huh? Who will I get to hate? I will starve to death. So you're gremlin, you know, look, I fought for you. I made you, I helped you survive. I brought you this far. Now you're going to starve me to death. You're going to not give me the stuff I really need. This is my vitamin A, B, C, and D. And D is the drama part, you know, and my C is complaining. B is blaming. I mean, we can figure this out a whole alphabet for what the vitamins are for the gremlin. And that, and so Vitamin S, superiority, you know, vitamin vitamin R, revenge. Resentment. Resentment. R1 and R2, vitamin R1 and R2. So there's this huge diet dietary considerations that gremlins going through. You know, I will starve to death. If I am the one holding space, then I cannot be a victim anymore because I designed the space. I set the context of the space, the distinctions of the space. I can't blame anybody anymore for creating an environment, you know, that that doesn't, you know, feed your gremlin anymore. I can't blame anybody. So I cannot manipulate. I cannot complain or blame. I cannot control. I cannot take revenge. I lose my possibility for creating my favorite feeding frenzies with men. My favorite feeding frenzies with men. This is what your gremlin is saying. And and I would add with women. And with women. So much of that <clears throat> interaction with men also includes competition with women and backstabbing and gossiping and a long list. So this conversation was hidden before. It was not obvious before. It was in the back closet before because you had such a regular diet in your ordinary life of all this gremlin food. But as soon as you start pulling back, you know, as soon as you hold this space, this context for a space of archiarchal relating, arc and relating, all of a sudden, this the closets open up and these creatures come out of the attic and the basement and the closets and they just 
out of the bottom drawer of the refrigerator, these creatures come out. And, and suddenly you are faced with having to clean up this gigantic mess within yourself that was there the whole time. It was just not visible, not so visible. And I'm sure if you've ever, you know, tried to diet or tried to not drink wine or what, you know, tried to stop smoking, tried to stop stealing, tried to stop lying, tried, whatever, whatever addiction, the thing, if you face that at all, there's this immense internal war that starts immediately. It doesn't wait for more than an hour. Even just the idea of a practice like that can start this internal war. And so it's like, okay, you know, it's almost like losing the war before you even start. You know, you're trying to hold this archaeological space, this arc in space for relating, and you're already in this internal battle that where your gremlin is freaking out, just completely losing it and taking you down from the inside. It's not just people outside who don't understand you or object or want want you to fail. There's this inside thing that comes up. So insanely frightening thoughts rage on inside of your own head. It says things like this. Who is going to understand what I'm trying to do here? Who's going to, my mother? No. My girlfriends? No. You know, the men? No. I mean, my, my psychotherapist? No. You know, who's going to understand, my boss, my colleagues, my neighbor? No, but who's going to understand me anymore if I'm cavitating and inhabiting an archaeological contexted relating space? Who will understand that? And that's when, that's when your three cell, you know, your team from, from your whatever possibility management from your work, from your rage club, you know, those people are going to, they'll understand a little bit, you know, they'll, they'll, that's when that becomes so important is to not just think you're walking off a plank into a shark infested waters, you know, of, of nobody, anybody there out there is just going to call you crazy. So who's going to understand what I'm doing? Who is going to help me go to this next level? Other women? Well, which other women are actively engaged or will join me in this journey? My addiction to adrenaline craves the lack of trust. You get this? My addiction to adrenaline craves the untrustworthiness that I've labeled on all the people in my life. They're all untrustworthy. I can't trust the women. I can't trust the men. I can't trust my parent, my mom, whatever. Who am I, who am I going to trust? You know, if there's, there's a total lack of trust and that feeds me adrenaline, that's an addiction. So this is a good, a good time to, to fully participate in an online or offline rage club to reclaim your voice, to reclaim your conscious feelings, to reclaim your center. You know, this takes work because you have five bodies and every single one of your five bodies has its own center to reclaim. So as then Chloe was saying, you could get in this, uh, you know, intellectual competition with somebody in your, and then your intellectual center is lost. You know, it's gone and you lose your intellectual center because somebody reasons better than you because you have your emotional center, your physical center, your, your archetypal center, you know, in your, Whatever center I forgot, your energetic center. <laughs> you know, it, it takes, it's like an amazing jungle gym to work on that other people don't even see. You get to work out 
in this world where there's distinctions that other people don't even know about and you never heard of before. And yet they're, they're very real. And when you can get a distinction and stand on it and use it, you gain agency in an area that you never before thought you could have, anybody could have agency in. You get the capacity to cause in evolution, the, the exam, the possibility of causing results. I, this article has been written, I mean, standing on many other websites. And it's also where we started in the article of saying, if there's anything that you don't understand to go and follow the link back to the website. And, and so it's so obvious. I mean, one of the first steps of just entering the path of initiation, arc initiation that is offered by possibility management is often rage club. And so I, it makes a lot of sense for me that Eva had 30 people at a rage club because that's a step that is so attractive right now. People are so hungry for it. And today in this conversation that we were having in the women's team, we were going back to how do I, how do I hold space, ongoingly hold space for, for the life that I want, for the spaces that nourishes me, not just when I'm officially on a Zoom call or a, as a space holder, not because my name is on the training flyer, but as, as a way of life, as a way to engage in communication, as a, just there's more than one person in the space who's holding space. Well, if you're not holding space, you're being subject to the default space holding. And in most spaces, that is just crap. It's just horrible, patriarchal space holding. And so the invitation is, and also in this invitation in this article, is you're becoming the space holder. Okay, the muscle of space holding takes a lot of practice because we're so, we have been trained, like the moment we are put in school, we are on somebody else's agenda, somebody else's time, somebody else's need for economic slaves. And that goes on for 14 years, between five years old and eight, whatever, 18 years old. And, and, and after that, we're supposed to be human being. We're supposed to be able to relate. We're supposed to be able to hold space for relationship. How is that even possible? Like, where is that leap? So there is no leap. The It's a shift directly from school to the corporate job and applying whatever we learn in school to relationship, which is I'm going to be on somebody else's agenda. Who's going to give me the cue, like the prompt mm -hmm. for me to fill in, you know, to be a, a like a filler, <laughs> you know, somebody, okay, you, there's a test and you have to study this, this, and this, okay, let me study this, this, and this. Well, so often really women in the, in the patriarchy have, are so good. Like we're the, we're the machine, like we're the engine. We're the gas between behind the patriarchy. We make the thing run because <laughs> we're so good at it. You know, if we would let that to the men, the thing would crumble. Actually, they wouldn't be able to sustain the patriarchy the it way it goes. Not take long either. Yeah, I mean, who, you know, who's making clothes in factories in China? You know, who's in who's building the IKEA things? Who's being secretaries for the military? 
like just the list goes on and on and on of all these women being the the gas for the patriarchy and and so we have learned to fill in the space that is already given and and to to go previous to that like to go previous to i'm going to create i will decide how do i decide where does that even come from in me? Like, what do I want? What is interesting to me? Where all of that has been lost in decades of being on somebody else's agenda and somebody else's context. And what I discovered this morning in this conversation with, with Sophia and Sonia is it goes back to what do you feel? Your feeling will tell you. And yes, this rage will tell you what you want, but also sadness about what are you missing? What are you yearning for? What are you longing? And, and that's the thing that will, that informs the, the context that's missing. And then yes, it takes skills to be able to cavitate, hold space, navigate space, invite other people in, being clear, not abandon that space. Like Clinton said, keep your center. There's there's so much practice that comes into that. But even the beginning of declaring a space and feeding it with your life, like your juice, starts with what are you feeling? And, and so for me, I was thrown back to it's all basic. We have to go, it's, you know, and, and feeling is basic is kindergarten is like 101 possibility management you can't feel forget about the rest but and and that is it's true it's sort of all the rest is all about feeling so i work is this and there's many layers is so many layers to uncover how much we are we're suppressing on feeling and i have not found a better way to unlock my feeling than to be a space holder for feelings, for other people to feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So get, get, go talk to Eva and Sonia and Sophia. They all rage for space holder training trainers now. Yeah. So they can hold rage club space holder training mm-hmm. and have 30 people in that. 30 people in your rage club space holder training. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to put cherries on your cake, right? The celebration will have sparklers and flowers. We're going to invite over the, the mariachi band and they're going to play. You start doing 30 people in your rage club space holder training. We're get the whole, the whole party really starts. Okay. I'll remind you. Excellent. Excellent. I'm getting ready. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, so we're in the middle of this thing, which is saying, you know, the war inside of you is going to erupt because you're in new territory. Your system is freaking out. Okay. And, and you, okay, you already know it now. And you're going to, you're going to, this thing, this army of, of reasons and insanity will erupt inside of you. And, and, but, but you're going to let it roll past you because you're onto a different purpose. You're onto a different purpose. And so the voices in your head, you know, it's going to, it's going to say like, mm, who's going to understand me? Other women? Like which other women are actively engaged 
or will enjoin me in this journey. Now, where are they? My addiction to adrenaline craves the lack of trust. This is a good time to engage the rage club people. You know, so you can get back your center, find your boundaries. You know, boundaries need attention. It's not like you make a boundary and it stays. As you know, a boundary is a living thing. And you just have to feed it a little bit of attention so that your fear knows when something's getting close to the boundary. A situation, a question that's not right, you know, an an insinuation, a suggestion, like all this stuff is going to try to work its way around boundaries. And if you don't have attention on your boundaries, there's no boundaries. So you get a, you have your boundaries, what your clear boundaries and what, like Aunt Chloe said, what, what do you really want? What do you want? And this is the time to connect with your evolutionary sister team. That's what this is. This is what it's for because they're all doing the same work. They're in the same journey and doing the same battles. And so you can stand shoulder to shoulder and back to back and really help each other handle these things because most of that stuff is an illusion. And so if somebody can see through your illusion, you can see through their illusion, you've got a lot more power back all of a sudden than if you think the illusion is real. And so, yes, it's going on. It's very close. It's inside. It's been there a lot. You can feel it. And if it has an illusionary source, then you can let it slide by and joke about it and go, ha, I can't believe I thought that was real. Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. Next level. Next level. So even if you understand that you need not be perfect before any man will dare to like you, it looks like a long and lonely endeavor to, to, to establish, you mean to like you in the, in the archetypal arc and relating way. That's what I mean. It looks like a long and lonely endeavor where you're standing there like some kind of lighthouse out in the middle of the ocean Waiting, you know, you're not waiting for a a boat. You know, a boat's just going to crash on your shore. You're waiting for another lighthouse. You get this, you're you're waiting for another lighthouse to stand with you in this place and make light. And so so that's what your sisters are. This is going to stand together making more light. And so... And and it's an uncomfortable place because the first place you show up in the learning spiral, you know, this map called the learning spiral of unconscious incompetence and stuff like that, is that's where you show up first is, is unconscious incompetence. You don't even know what you don't know. And you don't know that you don't know it. That's where we start all the time. Right now, in this moment, we are all sitting here not knowing what it is that we don't know about. And it's a surprise every single time coming out from the side, from the dark, you know, from from another dimension. It feels like another dimension. This surprise comes and says, hey, you didn't even know. You didn't know about this. And we go, how am I supposed to know about it? You say, well, you're not supposed to know about it. You're just supposed to go with it. Once it sh- as soon as it shows up, you're grateful for the for how bad you look. You're grateful for that the new territory opening up to explore that was previous heretofore blocked or, or invisible to you. 
So when this when this kick in your butt comes of, of things you did not know that you did not know about, it's like you get it's like a birthday present. You get a whole new part of your life can come to life. So so it's the let's see confronting the patriarchy that is woven into your cells begins by taking a stand that Arkin relating is possible. And this is an incredible stand. It's like, it's like the lighthouse thing. It's like, okay, if there never was a lighthouse before and you're going to go out there and be a lighthouse, it's like taking a stand. Arkin relating is possible. Okay, this is a declaration. You declare it to be so. You know, and anybody, anytime in the entire human history could have declared Arkin relating is possible. And I'm, you know, so, but it's a lonely place out there at first. And it seems scary. Just, it's almost like, seems like you're going crazy. I don't know if you felt that, but sometimes I, I really question, you know, okay, is this just insanity or, or is this really possible to stand up and declare arc and relating as possible in the world when nobody else around me is doing that? You know, I wish somebody else would have written this article, just like you wrote in your thing. I wish, you know, I, I wish I would have got this when I was 18 years old and somebody would have hammered it into me when I was 18 years old. So I would just have some wake up call, some vocabulary, some examples, you know, something, but there's, this is where we are as human beings right here in this space, this cutting edge of the evolution of human consciousness is happening right now in this space. And you're, we're experiencing it together. This is what we're, we're working on hacking reality together. That's what we do. That's our, our hobby. I want to add something. I wrote this part in the, the archaical women's book. And the title is nobody told me. Mm. And it, and it was going back to pretty early on in my childhood where I was saying that I look back on my childhood and consider that I had a pretty good childhood. And I list a number of examples of things that I've heard along the years being a healer and a trainer and just hearing the horrors of what parents can do to children. And I didn't just not know that that was possible. Like I was really shielded. So there's no drugs and no, you know, prostitute, no, barely no alcohol in my, you know, my household and no, no tyrants, you know, nannies torturing me, uh, no black eyes, no, uh, <clears throat> you know, my father did not beat my mother. Like the list is in that, you know, the list just goes on of the horrors that have happened. And so I had this idea that my childhood was, good something like that and I but then I realized okay, no woman around me ever told me that my body was mine no but no woman ever took a stand for me as a little girl to tell me some people will try to tell you that your body is theirs and they can play with it the way they want and you don't have to do that. And I can teach you ways to not have to do that. I will teach you how to say no. I will teach you how to make boundaries. I will teach you to, to what you want and what you feel is, is the lighthouse, is the, is the hope for humanity. 
and care for it, you know, with all your might. I had no, not one woman told me that. And so that means they all sacrificed me. They all sacrificed me to the men and to the teachers and to the coaches. And, and when I was writing, I was just crying. I was really just sobbing. And I thought, okay, is this my job to go and talk to the five, six, seven, eight years old girl who need this? You know, they can talk about it. They know it's happening and the, the journey can start. And I figured, okay, that's not my job. It's not my job, but it's somebody's job. Mm-hmm. It is somebody's job to go in the schools and to have other, to have the teachers trained, you know, teachers exiting the patriarchy. But, and just women who go around the school and hammer it into young girls. Because otherwise it's a whole, uh, the generations and generations of women just, this, you know, that have to go through the same healing we have to go through. And it, it can be avoided. So I'm saying this to you, I'm saying this to the recording, that if anybody needs this, I'm on, I'm on the team. I'm on the team. I want the young girls to start as soon as possible, you know, self-defense, centering work knife you know knife throwing work saying no to any being able to take care of themselves thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah i just I want to share why I'm so so touched and Louis by what you said and it's because you empower me so much about learning about my boundaries, like even at the point like what 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 are even my boundaries? And I also want to share it like on next week I I deliver a workshop at a school for twenty twenty eight small students and I I care so much about from a young urge young age that they learn to say stop and no mm-hmm. it nourishes me that that I can I can be the person who kind of hands it over what I got from you to be on their side when they want to say no uh, thank mm. you yeah go oh, Alice mm-hmm. thank you Alice wow so important. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to say anything right now? So we're at this place in one of these seven stages where your job is to confront the patriarchy that's woven into your cells. Again, Chloe said, since the first childhood days, it's just woven into your cell that this is reality, or this is how it's supposed to be. And nobody's asking questions about this. 
So how can I say no or stop or I'm not interested or get away? You know, I can't, nobody demonstrated that. So we're just woven into ourselves and, and confronting that, it can just start with taking the stand. To take a stand means to to become era, I say, unconvincible, irre, irreducibly clear. You know, to take a stand means it is so. It is like this. I'm, I'm. It's like putting a stake in the ground. It's like, okay, this is this is how it's going to be. Or this is how it is. Or this is how I am. This is what's real. This is what's true. And this is, and I'm not going to move. If, if I don't move from this, I don't. I don't care about reasons. I don't care about you know whatever the the cost, whatever whatever the reaction is. It's irrelevant. Because I have taken a stand. And human beings are capable of taking a stand. And it's so it's so powerful and it's so designed into us and it's so unheard of. You know, it's you know, the world changes when somebody takes a stand. Your the shape of your being changes when you take a stand, and the universe conforms to the new shape of your being. And we are capable of doing this. We can Take a stand here, take a stand here. It's like putting a, a piton into a, a rock wall and roping up with a rope. And you can climb into completely new territory in verticals, you know, in the vertical. You can climb into completely new territory by taking a stand here, taking a stand there and not getting off it. You just don't get off it. You know, people go, well, you're not being nice. You're not being friendly. You're not being social. You're not fitting in. You know, hell no. What do I, I, I don't want to fit into that. Why would I want to fit into that? You, you're blind. You don't even know what you're trying to fit into. You're just unconsciously fitting into, a, you know, an unconscious abused situation. And you, want, you don't want to invite me to join. Forget it. I'm not even a little bit interested. Well, you might think that you're going to lose all your friends and you might for a while, but then you'll meet a bunch of new people who become your new friends. So that happens pretty quick. I mean, I, I've been through about seven or eight cycles of living, losing all my friends in my life. So I don't know how it's like for you, but it's like, okay, this again, you know, and I'm sleeping alone in a car for months in the Canary Islands, whatever the thing is, you know, it's like, okay, this is going on. So you take a stand. Human being is capable of taking a stand. And the stand, the invitation is to take a stand that arc and relating is possible. And then committing to your own evolutionary path that will make you a source of arc and relating. You become the source. So you don't look around. You're not looking around for, okay, who's going to, who's going to, introduce me to this who's going to show me how this who's going to pat me on the back and say oh you did a good job you know there's nobody there's you and you take a stand and you commit to your own evolutionary path and it turns into an adventure it turns into discovery and these things are really nutritious they really can feed your being and your purpose for being born starts to come alive. You do stuff like this and you start serving the purpose that you were born for. 
And that, that reciprocates. It goes around and circulates energy in your body. And there's these archetypal forces that are just there to support you and just go, yes, yes. So all this stuff is happening and nobody ever told us about it, but you can experience it directly. So even if people try to argue with you that that cannot happen or that that is silly or that that is impossible or you are crazy, they can say whatever they want. It does not matter because you are directly experiencing it yourself. And it is such a great thing to have experiential certainty about stuff that nobody ever told you about before. And you can live, you can just live your, your life like that. And it's a, we're designed for this. This is the human adventure. And so it's really just inspiring and exciting for, to meet people, other people in this work or on this path who, and you're, if for me, it's like we are instant colleagues. We are instant co-wizards or something. We are instant warriors standing shoulder to shoulder instantly. Even if I don't know, you know, how many brothers and sisters they have, you know, where they were born. Or I don't even know what their favorite ice cream is. You know, I, it, what I what I know is that they have, they're building a world that I can live in right next to me. And they we're um, colleagues on this adventure. We're like co-adventurers. And so that's what's happening around the world these days in the telegram groups and in the bridge houses and the rage clubs and like all this stuff is really happening. So it's about taking a stand and committing to your own evolutionary path. You might think something like this inside of me, I experience a mass of tangled voices like arguing with each other inside of me with crossed motivations, hidden competing commitments, mixed purposes, and all of it will come to the surface if I hold space for a new relating culture. But this is archaeological women's work. And I could say and, doesn't have to say but, it really should say and. This is archaeological, this is the work. And it's great work. It is honest work. It's true work. It's you are at the edge. You go to the edge. You sound like Emmy Way. <laughs> this is yeah. true and it's brave. True and, brave. <laughs> and I'm not even drinking. <laughs> but I will watch Paris at midnight. So well, thank you. I'll You're take that as a compliment. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's like that. So this is archiarchal women's work building out archiarchy when it never existed before, out of nothing, out of stuff that didn't even exist before. So you're making the materials out of which you're building arc and relating. And here is where the feedback and coaching from other archiarchal women becomes precious beyond measure. Because at this point, there is no kind of feedback from men that can have any value at all. None. When we when we said this at the Archaeological Makers Fair, I said that in the space. There was a woman who's who I know who was trying to invite the men to say something or to have a comment or have a reaction or to share what they're thinking about the stand that the women are taking. 
you know, I interrupted the process of trying to let the men take the space back into the kindergarten patriarchal wounded child. You're abandoning me, mom, mommy, you're being mean to me and you're, you're not taking care of me. And like this whole space that would emerge if men got to speak, but it's okay to, to understand that at this point, there is no kind of feedback from men or questions from men or contribution from men that can have any value at all. Even from the handsome, holy tribal men. There's this whole branch of the evolution of, of consciousness work that when people leave the success path orient that's given to us by modern culture, if you leave that path, well, you're looking for some kind of path. And so if somebody's standing over there and they have, you know, 15,000 people on some, uh, what's it called? Yeah, I don't remember. What? Instagram. No, Instagram, but this other, this other thing. Oh, Substack. Yeah, Substack. They got 15,000 subscribers on their Substack subscriptions. You know, well, they can't be wrong. You know, all those people can't be wrong. They, they, and they're, and they're standing up and going, yeah, yeah. And they have their handsome, holy tribal men or these beautiful, holy tribal women, you know, and they've got these followers and they have people in the, the, Parthenon account. What's it called? Per, per, no. What's it called? Uh, Patreon. <laughs> Patreon account. You know, giving them money and like, and they, every week they get some special thing that nobody else gets, you know, because they're paying them $10, whatever. Like this whole thing is like, okay, this seems safe. This seems reasonable. This seems secure. Look, they're going away from the whole success. And, and the, it turns out that that whole path is, is like the, the, Cool, cool zone. Cool, what's cool it called? Land. Cool land. They invented this place called Cool Land, and and they're going to invite you to Cool Land. And that what happens? It's another dead end. It's another dank smelling, moldy. Has a lot of makeup on it. Feathers that fall off. You know, they're beating the drums and snorting mushrooms and drinking ayahuasca and. And like going for it, you know, but it's another dead end. You can, and it's like, okay, this is getting serious. My life is filled with dead ends. What else is there? And so even the handsome, holy tribal men remain stuck in their patriarchal context so deeply that all they can do is desperately try to stay safe, try to control their mother try to seduce their teacher, try to destroy any opportunity to enter new territory where they are no longer recognized as the dominant power-deserving darlings. Their uninitiated little boy adolescent egos secretly writhe in terror, willing to destroy anything rather than to shift into the unknowns of archiarchy and start over back on the path that heads towards the eye of the needle. We have this great website called eye of the needle that it kind of explains all this stuff. Oh, and Chloe's going to type in a website. So this article is getting tough now. Okay. 
Anything from anybody about this right now? It's time for station identification and advertisement from our sponsors, Coca-Cola, Nike, Apple. What? No, it should be like Life Plus and iHerbs. Yeah, all right, iHerbs, yeah. Anybody have anything? What? I just feel I feel sad actually. Uh, when I when I when I read that and I listen to you, I'm feeling yeah, I'm feeling sad mm. because um, I grew up with the with this image that I had to kind of. Mm, mm, repair the confusion of the role of man like to i had like i had grandfathers and father that couldn't really manage how to be in patriarchy and and so i i i see my like myself back time with this little girl to trying to repair repair this confusion that men were having. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that that's why I see how much the rage for me is working a lot. The more I'm, I'm taking stand for my own rage. I, I have, I have clarity. I have clarity about what really, about this, all this confusion that was told me and like, yeah, and that's that's the thing that I want to bring. Yeah, Marina, that that clarity is so valuable and so important. I, about just a few days ago, I was being interviewed by a beautiful, holy tribal woman who had a career for years, and her followers, and she was interviewing me about you know possibility management and stuff. And I I cut loose with the handsome, holy, tribal man, distinction, this clarity. And she she trusted me enough to actually listen to me. And here she is, this, this space holder for other people on this path, you know, that are following her in this beautiful, holy, tribal woman path that she's been creating. And she heard, and she just started crying. She In the middle of her own show, and she's interviewing me, and, and she admitted her sadness about having been lost on the on the beautiful holy travel woman path and misleading other people because she had no alternative she had no other option it could not see another way and that i at that moment but you also can t- can just be clear about it and just go hey look it's a dead end you know it's you don't have to go there yeah it's it's not as ugly as the corporate executive trying to climb the ladder to follow the psychopath and be the next one to get the corner office. You know, it's like, it's like, it's not that ugly, but it's still ugly. And so, and she, and she was willing. And so it's valuable to, to, to offer, to take a stand for this stuff, even in places where it might not be customary to break the illusion, pop the bubble, pull the rug out from under the game. Like just do it. Just go ahead and do it. And it and it will make it'll people breathe easier. 
because when they go, God, finally somebody's fucking telling the truth. Somebody's saying what's really going on. And you can do this. You guys can do this. And you will be called on more and more times to speak out about what, how you've been doing your edge work all these years and then not being seduced into putting on like a show just so people will feel safe around you. You know, you don't have to put on the show so people feel safe. Just they will feel a lot safer when you just really say what's going on and you just stand there, even when you don't know what it is and you just stand there and keep speaking from there. And that's where people can start feeling really safe because, because, you know, safety is an illusion. Safety doesn't exist in the real world. You know, Helen, Helen, blind, deaf, dumb lady, Helen, what's her name? Keller. Keller, Helen Keller. Thank you. This is like a quiz. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> bigger than a red box. It, it takes two syllables. It's like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Third row. Yes, you got it. The prize goes to Anne Floyd Estremo, Helen Keller, who, who is basically blind, deaf, and dumb since birth, basically, and learned and was cared for in such a way that she could speak and communicate and relate with the world. She said, safety is an illusion. Safety does not exist in nature. Security does not exist in nature. You know, life is either a, a bold adventure or it's nothing, something like that. And she... And so this is when you can stand there and, and stand next to people and say, the adventure is on. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the game is afoot. Are you in? And you just go. Then it's like, okay, there are players out there. There are people who've been waiting their whole life for somebody to just knock the wall down because it's made out of paper mache and just go into the next territory. I go, God, I thought that was a, a real wall. I thought it was a mountain my whole life. I thought I was locked. You just go, and the whole paper mache thing falls over and you just take off and you just go together. And that's, that's what you can do. This is what we're able to do this for each other. Anything else? Sweet? Yes. Go. Yes. Okay. It's, it's about the sort of clarity and the sort of clarity I speak for myself. I had, I have this fear of using the sort of clarity with the fear of people will not like me. And what I'm discovering is that the sort of clarity cuts through what's not real, real in the sense of, of bullshit. And the things that are there to die, they will just die. But then there's another part of the sort of, of clarity that I've been in contact with, which is this capacity of making people fall in love with the sword. And, and while the sword is slicing through an open space for the being to come through, because that's one of the, the powers of the sword of clarity, those beings will fall in love with you with your sword, not with you, your box, but with your sword and the clarity that is coming through. So this is the sword of clarity, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm practicing. <laughs> it reminds me of we watched this movie about about Robin Hood not so long ago. The four of it, we're watching this old um, Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie, and you know it was Hollywood back then, whatever, and um. But then there was this moment where the king comes back. The king was missing. And it's it's like we have it in our bones somehow, the desire or longing, the longing to serve a good king. You know, and we try to elect a good king for president, or we try to, you know, hope that a good king will, will show up. And very rarely have we ever had the opportunity or the experience of a good king and and he, what what I hear you saying Sonia is that the sort of clarity well used represents the good queen or a good king that clarity I mean in the movie it's like the last five minutes of the movie the good king finally shows up and it's Sean Connery <laughs> as a cameo appearance he just shows up smiling radiant you know ta-da you know they're <laughs> I know in reality he was a asshole, but in any case, it was, you know, but the highlight of this movie, I have to tell you, is like the credits start coming on. And the music, the song comes on the music. And I'm sitting here on the couch. I And Anne Chloe and Sonia start singing this song in such beautiful voices. And I, it's a song I never heard of. It's a woman singer, and they knew the words. Like Sonia, her voice was filling up this whole room. And after a few lines, they, they sort of stopped. I go, no, no, please, you've got to keep singing. This is the best part of the movie is you guys singing this song. And they did. They kept singing. This song it was so amazing and so beautiful. And it's just it was a, just a wonderful thing to have. Um, the two women singing this song that I never even heard of before, but they were so touched by the song that they memorized the words, and it was it was wonderful. I, the next words in the next paragraph are. No, wait, hold on. What? Magic Cab Bridge House down there. Okay, okay. Where where can I listen to the interview that you told us about with this? Uh, they said it will come out in December. I'll put it up in our December newsletter, probably. I'll, we'll send Thank it around you. in the newsletter. Thank you for asking. Any, anything else? Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Dalwick, come on. you got to say a non-logistical thing. Say something non-logistical. I, I, I was just in an expand the box last week where, where the whole circle, it was an expand the box in a totally new location in the world. A place called Texas in the United States, <laughs> and 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 the the circle there was so starved for for this handsome holy tribal man distinction that when this map about Cool Land was delivered, the the whole room was practically they they weren't applauding, but they were hooting and hollering. They were people were just rolling around on the floor because they were so relieved they were so relieved that somebody had this distinction 
for what they could feel in their beings. Mm. And, 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 and people were just there nodding saying, yeah, that was me. That was me going to cool land. And I figured out that that was insane and that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I haven't, and I haven't, no one's ever said all of this stuff that I've known and, and thank God. Well, thank Vera, but it's kind of the same. <laughs> and in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anything else from somebody else right now? All right. The next paragraph turns out to be a warning for yourself. If you're the woman standing there saying, Ark and relating exists. Ark and relating is possible. And you're, you've taken a stand for that. This is a warning to watch yourself. Watch out for your own gremlin going to a new level. Because a recriminating patriarchal female. So recriminating means, you know, blaming, complain, like being clear, but on this edge of it's your fault. It's like you are the criminal. That's what that is is pointing out to who the criminal really is. You know, so a recriminating patriarchal female reacts convulsively, meaning automatically, mechanically, by delivering sidekicks to the man's head. You know, and it just comes out so fast because it's been in there so long. It's been under pressure and unexpressed and unappreciated and just... And this highly coiled spring has been ready to go the whole time. And as soon as you take a stand that something else is possible, there's this sidekick can come out and just and reactively be a, a, be kind of a, like this aggression. So just watch your watch out for this. So this is how women you know, women you can catch each other in the act of of assassinating men you can catch each other in the act and immediately put your weapons on the table with each other and even in this space you know and you can just say look i wanted to kill you i wanted to take you out i wanted to take you down i wanted to bring you into a broken like in ungraciously humbled embarrassing condition like i've been living in my whole life I want to do that to you. So you get what's been going on all this time. And that's this thing that wants to come out and you put those weapons on the table because otherwise the chance of tracking your thoughts and feelings and words and actions back to their source will pass unnoticed. This is how sisters are helping each other. You get this? This is how you help each other. You catch it in the moment, in the moment. You go, hold on, stop. That was it. This is what's happening. You name it. You put it on the table. You're not disempowering yourself. You're not beating yourself up. It's not about that. It's about being clear about what's going on and the purpose behind it for revenge, for revenge and superiority. You know, that's this pit. And you put that on the table. There's other way to work. I mean, in addition to that, for example, especially if as a woman you have a gremlin type 2 
which is a type of gremlin that is disempowered, that is kind of weak, that will try to hide and be really be nice to some extreme adaptive degrees is I had a woman ask, say, now that my gremlin, I can, I give my permission to my gremlin to come out more, it wants to kill. And so for gremlin type two, I don't recommend to put it back in the box. Mm -hmm. And so it's to find a place where you make time for revenge consciously. And you call up another woman and you say, you finally let your gremlin say all the things it didn't say. It could not say. And it's ugly and it's dark and it's true. And it's, it, and, and then you do it consciously. And if you can't do it consciously, then it's happening unconsciously anyway. So there's make time for revenge and another one that's a little bit different but goes right along is practicing and that's great in women's team to have this I hate I hate things I hate this I hate this and you go on for 10 minutes and you finally allow and I call that a good girl busting because it's finally admitting that you hate things and a good girl cannot hate things it has to be understanding she has to be all embracing and you know nice and polite and all this stuff so yeah this Mm, it, it's not just about tracking back to the source. There's other facets to expand into. I have a choice about it. I want to give another example, which was some weeks ago, before we got to Bali, we were back in Aracera, which is a, a coastal town near Lisbon in Portugal. And, and, and Chloe and Vera arranged for themselves to have a custom training with a woman who, who was delivering this Israeli martial arts called Krav Maga. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they were, there were, it was two kind of nice women who went out to this Krav Maga training and they came back about three hours later, like laughing their heads off, like in a completely wildly different way. And they had bruises they were kind of limping because they were punching each other out. <laughs> they put on this special mask and they were, <laughs> and they showed it to me. And I like basically went in the kitchen and hid out, but they, they were like, they were so alive with having cleaned out some of this revenge mm -hmm. physically, physically, you know, you know, on, on each other. Like it was like one was role playing the guy doing some asshole thing and the woman took him out and then they changed roles and it was even harder the other way. And they were punching and pounding and beating and slamming and yelling. And the lady was very delighted to have them as, as students because they could feel their rage and they could move. There was no hesitation and to express this stuff, full body, five body. And the, the, the lady was delighted that these guys were learning so fast. These what? These gals. These guys. Gaia? What did I say? Uh, Gaias. These Gaias were learning so fast. She <laughs> <laughs> was saying really that some sometimes in the first session, we the first time we practice just on a like a boxing, and she says, and she said we need to use our voice to shock to shock the person that you're doing that. You have to use all sorts of shocking method. 
And sometimes she says the first session, she just stands there with the woman who can't make a sound. It's like, uh, uh. And so she would like go to the other side of the room and say, I can't hear you. And you're not moving from this boxing punching bag until I can hear you. Three hours, the woman would be there punching, you know, and holding space for this woman to have her voice back. And, and so we told her about Rage Club and how this could go together because we have other ways for the voice to come back that, that can help them. Or she can be a Rage Club space holder. Yeah, but yeah. She's, she needs to do her job. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to do our job, but there's so much potential for the collaboration, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the aliveness to come back, for the aliveness to come out. So she was, yeah, she's just glad when we could just be, we were shouting, just shouting. <laughs> shouting and laughing. Yeah. yeah. So that's another dimension. So this thing is, if you, if the women, if you guys are not, if you Gaia's are not at each other's shoulder, instantly detecting this revenge purpose being exhibited if you're not doing that, then this moment, you know, if the thoughts, feelings, words, and actions, you track them back to their, you cannot track them back to their source because that moment will pass unnoticed. It will just slip by. And it's such a valuable thing is to find the source of it. And you get, you need the other person to say, hold, hold, that was it, that. Find, what was that about? Where does that come from? Where is that? And then, and then, if you don't do that, you stay trapped in patriarchal revenge thought patterns and interaction grooves. If you don't track them and find them and find out, you know, where they come from and why you decided to do that and what's going on, if you don't track them in the moment, then they, they stay crystallized like that. And it's such an opportunity to help each other with that. Anything from anybody? Yeah, there's there's this way I've I've been doing this uh, dismantling resentment work, and it's it's all about being able to not be vengeful. And something I discovered is that the the going small is also a kind of revenge. And and it, it's it's something like that. I mean, I'm remembering how things went for me when I did this side kicking with my, my husband and it, it was, it was because he hadn't held space for me because he hadn't taken a stand with me for archetypal relating. And because I expected he would want to. And, and then when he didn't want to, my, my revenge really was to withhold myself from him. Mm. and and so yeah i just want that i want that in the space that there's this other way of revenge that isn't so isn't so like like verbally mentally violent it's this energetic withholding and and then it it builds another layer of revenge because then when when i withhold and my expectation is actually that he will draw me out and when he doesn't then, then it layers on, and and I'm I'm just thank you for painting this picture because I'm seeing my my past 
in, in a new way that helps me really get, like I, I did this side kicking and I was so appalled at myself that then I, I did, I put my gremlin, like I went into that type two as a channel, mm-hmm. which isn't my usual type, but, and I, I, I'm, yeah, just, I'm so glad that I found, that I found possibility managers so that, so that everything that I layered on in my box about what happened could, could start to be unpacked. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is just for semantics, but for people who listen to the recording is that um, what you were talking about withdrawing, that's, <clears throat> that's not a type two. Like you said, it's a channel two. And to not confuse it, that type one and type two are full-on universes of Groenland and not, not channels. Cool. And Thank you. Channels, yeah. And channels is channels is we usually have a favorite channel, maybe depending on who we're talking to. From the box. But from, no, from Gremlin okay. Ch- channels from Gremlin, which, for example, can show up as um, debating. Like channel one is debating, arguing, trying to be right, trying to justify, trying to. And if that doesn't work. Put on the the waterworks. So turn on the tears. Do the crying. So I don't. I'm confused. And so that's it's it's gremlin. Both are gremlin. And it's easy to be hooked by thinking, oh, they're they're feeling something now. They're not justifying. They're not pushing against me. They're feeling something. But if it's a victimy, you know, you're hurting me. It's just more of gremlin. Just a different channel. See if that works. And so, is that yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anything right now? I have something about the 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 pausing a a conversation and saying stop. And in my process, I notice um, like this is also a part of shedding the layers of the of the good girl. And I had a chance to also practice and, and witness practicing other women this, this on the women's lab. And I'm still in the process of also applying it in the conversations I'm having now. And it's so like this noticing when, when I'm taking revenge on another woman. And then like really pausing and, 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 interrupting the flow of the conversation so that I can trace back where does it come from, what's happening, what am I hiding, putting the weapon on the table. It, the, my first step is to to dare to hold on, like what, what's what's happening here, and not just let a conversation take its its flow. Yeah, it's so great. I mean, the way you the way you did it just then, Alice. It's like your body moved before you knew what you were going to say. And that's how to do it. You just move. You have this position, you go, and you don't even know what it's about. You just know it's up. And you move first and ask questions later. Okay, what was mm-hmm. it? Because you can detect it. And the detection is faster than the mind. Your energetic mm-hmm. body or something, you can feel it. Okay, that was, okay, hold, 
stop. Let's check that out. So it was a great demonstration what you did. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, this next court, the next paragraph goes, how can you lower your numbness bar to better detect the vengeful, recriminating payback part of yourself? How can you, how can you, you know, that's, we've been holding it in so long, trying to be a nice person or trying to be in relationship or trying to be a partner, you know, and trying to not rock the boat and all these things. And and then, then we're going to, there's this energy it takes to hold it in. But if we're lowering our numbness bar, we're trespassing on this territory that where we've been using energy to hold stuff in. And then we lower the numbness bar, which lets stuff come out. And it's like, how can you lower your numbness bar and, and, and get it that you're not just more vengeance doesn't come out, but you're actually noticing stuff. And so your new perceptions require a complete shift of context away from ordinary gremlin feeding the patriot. So you, you have to move away from trying to destroy the patriarchy and you move away from that into extraordinary and archetypal levels of awareness and creation in archaearchy. So this is a big step. It's a complete reorientation. It's like focusing on changing from focusing on building out the underworld's, you know, sewer plant, like you're just making more poop and garbage in the hell worlds, you know, and changing it into a, like an, an entirely different, you're building a crystal palace, or you're building, you know, heaven, your heaven space, you know, how do you, and it's the same energy, the same force, but you're just moving it to a completely different purpose. So this shift depends on you reinitializing your purpose of relating. And that's, we're going back to you, center, grounding core, bubble, context, arc and relating, and holding this bar and holding this is what this space is and holding that purpose. Because, because you cannot hold that purpose and do gremlin feeding at the same time. We'll just destroy the, the arc and relating space. I mean, like Clinton said, this, this is a huge shift. And I think it depends on this cleaning out, this cleansing. Sonia, can I share a little bit about what you shared in the team this morning? Yes. Which was, Sonia said, I don't have a map inside of me. Or I'm learning. I've, I've been so, people have, People have told me my, my feelings were not valid. My observation were boring. My sensitivity was wrong. And when and everybody tells me that all the time, I believe it. It goes in. And so the compass is, it's like the Jack Sparrow compass. It doesn't point to north. It points to this other island. Except that one has a treasure. Like this one doesn't have a treasure, but it's like the compass is like, is completely it doesn't it hammered it does not know which orientation and so this idea of trying to figure out okay am i am i creating patriarchy or am i creating archaearchy this question you know is this move authentic or if it's i think it comes it it's confusing because the compass is completely out of order uh 
And so it takes this decontamination and this cleansing to be able to distinguish this is from me and this is from them. And this is, this is real from me. It's not an emotional reaction, whatever other people think. But to be able to get to that place of my feelings or my outrage or my clarity about this cannot be undermined by anybody's own fear, like anybody's reaction to it. It, it requires this cleansing. And I haven't really, you know, what's the path for the cleansing? I think, Marina, you were talking about it, of the rage. You know, the rage is starting to clear out this confusion about, I thought my life mission was about this, or the way I had to interact with men was about this. So if anybody is, you know, on this path of cleansing, I think it's worth documenting about what, what does it take to have back your compass back to north, which is north is your being. North is you. Yeah. Yeah. No, so so then you can go back to this the experiential reality. I think you were talking about that earlier. Like the, having the experiential reality of that is my purpose. Mm-hmm. And I can stand on it. Mm-hmm. So, so the the article goes in that direction, which means mm-hmm. if your compass has been distorted or bent around or hammered or cracked or twisted or given a false orientation, <clears throat> instead of thinking that you can just simply reorient it towards something useful, it can also be useful to go the other way at the same time. The other way is to look at the distortions, to look at the twisted elements. And and, and it's, there's a bunch of them. It isn't just one. And some of the twisted elements are thoughtware, like how you think about yourself, how you think about others, how you think about the world, how you think about possibility, options, all this. How This is part of the distortion is that. And so you start deep in you, like in ourselves, like we said before, is this patriarchal programming. And if you can if you can track that, it's easy to track that when you have this kind of this kind of a space and this kind of a conversation with your colleagues helping you, your sisters helping you, you essentially track back what parts of the patriarchy are distorting your compass. And so you might have a thing that says, quote, if I do not have a man, I do not have value. If I'm not partnered up with a husband, whatever, if I don't have a, I don't have value. Or if I do not raise a family, I'm not worthy. If I need a man to protect me. These are, these are giant pieces of thoughtware that go in so uh, unnoticeably after all this time. They're just functioning inside of us. It just goes along. Like, uh, Sonia, you said when just the other day, you said, who's who's going to build the game world? Who's going to build? Mm. Women can't build game worlds. Men are supposed to build the game worlds. And it was just part of this patriarchal programming that she just discovered. Because, wow. What, and it had been influencing her up until that moment when she realized it and could take it apart find out where it comes from and and but 
it's like you have to look in the dark side to find these things. You can't just only look at the light side. You have to work at this unconscious thing and make it conscious. So I need a man to protect me. I need a man to make the money. I need a man to fix things, you know, fix the car, like fix the door, fix the oven. I need a man to provide me with entertainment, to buy me clothes, to provide food and vacations, like all these things, whatever, there's hundreds of them actually. And if, when you, when you untwist them, then God, it's like taking a, a sliver out of your finger that you did not know you had. You know, if you have a sliver in your finger, you can't use that finger, a piece of wood or a piece of metal. It just hurts. You just can't use it. And so if you pull the sliver out and squeeze all the juice out, you know, it'll heal really fast. And then you get your finger back. And you didn't even know you did not have your finger because it had a sliver in it. But you, until you take the sliver out, it, you won't get your finger back because it hurts too much. So we have all these slivers in and you just follow them back and pull them out. And it's a mess. It looks ugly. looks horrible. And then, you know, it heals. It, it like comes back to life. So this is a part of a teamwork thing also you can do. The patriarchal woman puts her attention on men's expectations, on her own worries, on her imperfections, on her inner wars with other women, on finding what is not good enough with her or the situation or other things or other people, on being a victim, she puts her attention, a patriarchal woman puts her attention on being a victim ongoingly, because if you're a victim, you can get stuff, you can manipulate people, and on getting revenge. And the question is, well, is that all there is? And this whole thing is predicated on the understanding that that is not all there is. Although up until this point, that may be have been all there is. You look at your mom, you know, maybe for her, that's all there is. Maybe that's all there ever will be. You know, so you have to let it be like that and go, okay, well, you know, I'm changing my mind. And you really are doing it. You're doing mental surgery. You're doing surgery in, in your energetic body, taking these thought where slivers out and letting yourself come back to life. It's self-surgery. And you're uh, doing it and changing your mind. I would propose... For an experiment for this week, so it's a tradition to have experiments for the study group, is to is to look, is to pay attention to your attention, is to look at where you're placing your attention, what are the things that hook your attention, and so there was a list mentioned by Clinton, uh, I mean in the in the article. I wanted to say there was something else on on getting revenge. Anyway, it will come back to me. But to notice what what is your attention hooked by, that it, and it's consuming. It's consuming your attention. And in attention, I did not come up with this, but attention is one of is the one of the most precious substance in the universe. Sometimes attention can be the only thing required for healing, or for love happening, for connection. For, and so if it's consumed in in the underworld, then you have no you have no energy to put your attention on what you want to create, and you're wondering why your projects are not working 
or your people aren't, you know, people are not showing up. Your teams are not coming together. That would be the experiment. And I want to add something on the compass that is not working, which is if you surround yourself with women that are on the path of evolution, transformation, healing, and that are finding their ways to source archaearchy, by being close together, it may be that they have a part of a compass awakened that you don't have. And just by being next to this woman and she's just being, that part of her compass touches something inside of you. And your compass is there. It's just that it's not working. And and it's not about adapting or mimicking or learning from someone else. It's it's really this the part of this woman's woman compass goes there and it sparks something up. And and the map that is already inside of you starts coming to life. And you start building your inner map for your compass. Ingrid has something. She, no. was, she, was, she was just enthusiastic. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're saying, Sonia, that compass can recalibrate each other. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's, it gets. I have an example. That. Go ahead, Eva. Yeah, we had it in the Rage Club when Marcus was holding space for a, a rage practice where we were standing in this big circle. And then he was starting to put the buckets in the middle of the circle. And my compass said, no, no buckets in the middle of the circle. This, this isn't working. And the part that wasn't working of my compass was that I thought, oh, come on. It's okay. He's holding the space. He will, he will, he knows what he's doing, you know, diminishing my just this. And it's just this tiny little bit, you know, it, it's not so important. So I thought, well, no, I'll, I'll just keep quiet. And then I met like um Sabina and I we just our eyes met and at that instant it was clear no buckets in the center of the circle <laughs> that's exactly what was happening it's magnetic it's magnetic well, so what did you do Ava what happened then well we took the buckets out <laughs> <laughs> and what did the space do what what did the space holder do he just went on with the process it was it, like it was just this tiny little detail, but it was clear that it won't work. You know, if if the if the center of the this whole group, the space, are these buckets with you know slime and everything inside. <laughs> Thank That's you. also a good example. You have the masculine and the feminine. It's a good example. The guy wanted to put the buckets in. We don't know what we're doing half the time. <laughs> Half. So thanks for cleaning up the space. <laughs> we only have a couple of minutes left, and because Ingrid didn't say anything, I want to. I want us to say something to Ingrid. 
So we can start by this. We can all say this to you. You can just let this. We're all telling you something. You can just that you're here with us and you, your participation is fully experienced mm-hmm. by us. We get it. We get that you're there. So thank you so much for hanging out with us and, and your contribution is ongoing. So thank you mm-hmm. so much. Anybody else want to say anything to Ingrid? We only have one minute left or something. A couple minutes. I love you and miss you in group. Thank you. All right, we are coming to an end. Anybody want to say anything? Meredith. Meredith. totally off topic but I've really been thinking about my clarity and and, and it, like with my compass and and how I'm finding how much effort how much work I have to do to be hiding my clarity and and the physical toll that like the, this pressure of totally contorting myself to be hiding this clarity about what's really going on and yeah, I get the sense that I'm doing this with my compass as well. Mm. It's like, what are, and hearing you, Sonia, is like, okay, what are the physical tolls that I'm, like, these taxes, like, what am I doing to cloud my clarity to not be following my compass? And this is, this has been really alive for me this week as I'm, like, wow, all of this stuff was just to hide my clarity. So, would you you paint the full picture? okay quickly um yeah the full picture is is i had a proposal i feel very scared paint this picture i had a proposal on the table for five days where i just it's like this is what needs to happen and i kept telling myself so many stories that what needed to happen? What what needed to happen was like someone was not a part of the context that we are we are holding at the bridge house, and it was not working, and and I refused to to change my context to meet this person where we're at, and I also just recognized like I don't have the skill to be holding space. For, for my context and your context at the same time, I cannot do that. And so this needs to end. And I had this clarity and I put it on the table, but I did not ask the question. I did not make the decision. Will you go? Will this happen? Like, and, and, and I was in the biggest swamp that I've ever been in. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what to do. How do I fix this? And I just created this whole mess so that I didn't have to ask the question of, will you go yes or no? I have something for you, which is you're an extrower. What you're missing is the extrowing. You're not doing that. You're not owning that. And, And that's when the question comes, will you go? 
it's you throwing the axe and I've seen you throw throw an axe, an, an actual axe. And it's, I fell in love with you. So that's your clarity. It's, it's aiming and, and game over. And you move on to the next thing. Throw the axe. Yeah. And that's combined with what we were talking about before is detecting the sliver that you have that's in the way of your axe throwing. And you find what that is. You got to track it back down to some old moment a long time ago or past life or whatever. Go through the EHP, pull the thing out, let the shit go everywhere. And then, and then the axe throwing will become mm-hmm. effective in multi dimensions. And how was it to finally throw the axe? <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was like my whole body. It was like, that's all. That's all I needed to do. Yeah, it was incredible to really find the thing. Thank you. Yay. Thank you, Thank Thank you. all for being here. Thank you for going on this journey with us. And see you after your experiments next week. Take care, you guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Ciao. 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 <laughs>